Jay called and said, oh, Felicia's going to send you a bio. I'm like, a bio? What is going on here? Right? <laughs> but um, it is wonderful when we can, for me, for me, I must say, I love having outside speakers. Um, but as I look out in the audience, I believe each of you women in this room have the power and the key um, to encourage us right here where we are. And so I'm always excited with one of us, and we don't have to invite someone from the outside, um, is um, knowledgeable about God's word, passionate about God's word, carry the zeal of God. And I've done Bible studies with, with her, so I already know how passionate she is. I didn't need a bio, but for the sake of a bio, if you don't know her, um, she is a Felicia Grant Pierre. Grant Pierre. <laughs> um, she joined Risen Hope with her husband, Alix. And Alix is that gentleman in the back in praise and worship, right in there in the back, and their daughter, Alexa, in 2016. Um, but more importantly, she, bo uh, she joined the body of Christ in 1990, having accepted him as her Lord and Savior. And I testify to that that she is a woman of God, a daughter of the Most High. Before coming to Risen Hope, Felicia was a member of Enon Tabernacle Church and Greater St. Matthew Baptist Church. Uh, she served in prayer, evangelism, and Christian education and congregational support ministers. Girl, you were busy in the church. Um, <laughs> but is happiest wherever she can give God her best. Isn't that something? Felicia is a graduate of Eastern, uh, uh, of Eastern University, I believe, School of Christian Ministry, where uh, she gained a diploma in biblical and theological studies. She also is a graduate of Drexel University and Temple University. She currently works as a project manager for the Federal uh, Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. I'll see you later. <laughs> Felicia and Alix have been married for 12 years and are parents of a fifth grader. Of course, we mentioned her before, Alexa. And if you see her, say hi to her, <laughs> all right? Um, she is funny. Um, she enjoys working out, so I guess you're part of the exercise group, okay. and spending time with her husband and her family and their two cats. So I guess part of the chore is cleaning the cat. Okay. Ladies, would you welcome our dear sister and friend, Sister Felicia. Hi, everyone. It's so great to be amongst friends. But I know a new one and friends that I've just met. Can you hear me okay? Okay, a little closer. I don't want to yell. So let me know. Is that better? Okay, great. Um, I want to thank Jay, Becky, Danette, Lori, um, all the women who represent Risen Women Leadership. Um, for this invitation and basically for everything you do to keep us encouraged and um, well-educated in the word and also especially um, Gaylene in her absence as well. Thank you so much. So um, today I've been invited to speak as uh, the third speaker in our series on the names of God. Uh, previously we've heard about Jehovah Jireh 
And uh, Teresa spoke um, on uh, rest, God's title, rest. I'm sorry, Teresa, what was it? The, the Lord is there. The Lord Jehovah is there. Shema. Jehovah Shema, that's Shema. it. Great, thank you. So today, I'll be talking about um, Jehovah Gabor Milkamah. Yep, that's a mouthful. Which translates to the Lord, strong and mighty. And in keeping with today's theme, um, I think you'll find that you know, the, the songs we sang this morning uh, talked about God in battle, about how he fights for us and um, victorious he is. And I think you'll find that the title, this title of, of God is consistent with that as well. So what I want to do today is just to kind of um, give you an overview, introduction, and then we'll walk through the 24th Psalm. And uh, in, in Psalm 24, verse 8, we find the title, The Lord Strong and Mighty. So before I begin, let's look to the Lord so he can bless this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this time, for this occasion, and for every woman gathered here. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you that where two or three are gathered, you're there. You're here with us, God. And Lord, we, we just thank you for the fellowship with your Holy Spirit and fellowship with one another. I thank you, God, that you're drawing us closer together to support one another and to just be part of this body of Christ. And Lord, I, I, I pray for if there are any women amongst us who do not know you as Lord and Savior, who are on the fence, who are struggling, whose hearts have not yet been yielded to you, God, that you would speak to them, that they would know that they can find their hearts rest in you, that you earnestly desire to make your home in their hearts, that you want to be their king, the king of glory in their lives, God, that you desire to fight for them, that they only need to surrender. And we thank you for this in your precious son's name, amen. So the book of Psalms means praise, or the book of praises in Hebrew. Psalms comes from the Greek and was called Psalter by the early church fathers. The Psalms is a national hymn book of Israel. I found that really interesting. It contains over 150 poems to be set to music for worship. Worship is the central idea of Psalms. The Psalms magnify and praise the Lord. They exalt his attributes, his names, his word, and his goodness. Every human experience related to him is found in the Psalms. Every Psalm is a direct expression of the soul's consciousness of God. And I can tell you, and I'm sure many of you who've read the Psalms have found yourself reading and thinking, oh my God, yes, yes, that's how I feel. That, and and it's, it feels so good when you read the Psalms and being able to find that most often the, the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms were written by David, find that it expresses what you cannot say or you don't have the words for. And that, that's very encouraging. The context of the 24th Psalm, which we'll read in a minute, um, is uh, sort of, it's in the middle of Psalm 22nd, which the, the 22nd Psalm, which describes 
the good shepherd suffering on the cross. Psalm 23, which we're probably all familiar with, describes the good shepherd's care for his sheep. And then we have the 24th Psalm, which describes the return of the ruling king, which makes it a messianic psalm. So I'm going to read Psalm 24, and this is from the ESV. It's called the King of Glory, and it's a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Just reading that. Oh my gosh, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Second Samuel describes the scene of the nation of Israel led by King David and his army of 30,000 men relocating the Ark of the Covenant from Obed-Edom to Mount Zion. So imagine the scene in verse 5 of 2 Samuel. David and the Israelites were dancing in front of the Lord and playing all kinds of musical instruments. There were lyres, harps, drums, rattles, instruments made from cypress wood and cymbals. They were carrying, the, the ark was, was in this procession going up to Mount Zion where it would be its final resting place, its final home. Can you imagine that? I mean, 30,000 men, warriors, plus the nation of Israel in this procession leading following the Ark of the Covenant. And we know how important the Ark of the Covenant was because wherever the Ark was, that represented God's presence. And the Psalm, the 24th Psalm, was written in, in a sense to, um, to go along with that procession, that occasion of celebrating the Ark, going to its, its resting place, its new home. It was, uh, and, 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 and when you think about it, and, and the reference for 2 Samuel is, I'm not sure you're familiar with the story uh, of David's wife, Michael, who David was, was so, so, such a worshiper. He was so excited about this occasion that he danced and he praised and he danced himself out of his clothes. And his wife, Michael, was really indignant 
Now I'm sure none of us have ever had the experience of being in worship where you are just so overfilled with joy that you just don't care who's around you. You're just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And then you always get that one sour puss who's in the corner looking at you like, well, it really doesn't take all that on. You know, why don't you look, look at you, you're crazy. Your clothes are all over the place or whatever. You've fallen out on the floor. You know, you're just so undignified. And you're, you, you are so filled with joy at the Lord. You're like, I just don't care. I love him so much. I want to give him everything. That was Michael. She was downright indignant, as if to say, really, David, look at you. You've just, you just you know, made yourself naked in front of all these women, all these girls. You know, she took his worship and she made it into something foul. Yes. You know, but David was giving God his all. He was like, look, the, God's presence, we're taking it to the tabernacle. You know, I mean, I love God. David was a man of war. God's, God with the, the Ark of the Covenant, his presence had been with him through all of these battles. And, and can you imagine, you know, when you've really gone through something and you begin to think about all that God has brought you through and you just lose it. And you don't care who's around you, who sees it. You're just like, you just don't know what he's done for me. I can imagine that's how excited David was, you know, to lead this procession and to praise God. So as the people proceeded up the hill, you know, uh, it, it's, it's described, that is the, the context of setting for Psalm 24. And it would have been, it would have been sung. And it's a call and response. So David begins the psalm by establishing that the earth and everything and everyone in it belong to God. He is the right master, mighty master of everything. David then questions who is qualified to approach God? Who, who can come before this holy, mighty God who created everything, who, who owns everything, who owns all of us? Who? And then he describes the qualifications, you know, being a righteous person, etc. And then in, in, in the next stanza, it's as if David, again, filled with joy, shouts out to the city gates of the tabernacle, telling them, Lift up your heads. It's as if, you know, that the gates would have dropped down. But he's saying, lift up, lift up. The ark is coming. God's presence is coming. Everybody, come on. This is God. Yes. The God who has delivered me from one battle after another. Everybody, get up. Um, I'm used to, you know, worshiping in a Baptist church. So <laughs> if, if you've had that experience on Sunday when the choir comes, it's, a, it's, it's something to behold if you never experienced that because the, the choir would have, they'd have their robes on and it's a big deal and the pastor's leading them down the center aisle and the, the musicians are going and you know, the, the choir's doing their little thing. Something similar to it is if, if you've ever seen, you know, like the, the college um, uh, marching bands, you know, they do the little dances and everything. It's a Sunday morning choir procession and the Black Baptist tradition is a, is a big thing. It's, a, it's very elaborate. And I can imagine that in the sense that this is sort of like what it would have been for David to lead that ark and to say, open the doors, throw them wide open. Our God is coming. This ark that represents God's presence. It's not going to travel from here or there anymore. It's going to be here amongst us. And he's leading a procession. He's saying, throw open the gates. And then, uh, you know, again, David as worship leader would have said, who is the king of glory? And then all of you, as the people would have said, 
The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Let's try it again. Yes. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, the Lord strong and mighty. study this because reading it and understanding this in light of 2nd Samuel and just imagining and, and looking knowing who David was a man of war David was always fighting he, and, and, and this is a man who as a young boy faced Goliath when everybody else around him who were the professional warriors the professional soldiers were too cowardly to do it. David was offended by the fact that nobody was there to represent God. Nobody was there to fight for God, for God's reputation. It's not that David wanted the glory that Saul offered, you know, the purse, the, oh, you know, as if he were a mercenary. It wasn't that. David was offended that, wait, this is my God, that he's coming out, Goliath is coming out every day challenging, and you all are going to sit there and, and just take this? You're going to let him curse our God? You're going to, it's okay with you to just sit there? Imagine today, people say the most foul and ignorant things about Jesus. They curse his name. They, they say things about uh, Christians, about our God. And, you know, sometimes we sit, well, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm, well, Jesus, you know my heart. I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> You know, or they won't have lunch with me anymore or whatever. But sometimes I think God is just saying, who will, who will stand for me? Who will, who will stand up? And, and that's what David was. That's who he was. And so I imagine for him writing the 24th Psalm and being excited to, to go with the ark to its final, its, its new home, Maybe every battle, maybe all of this was in his mind, and he was thinking, this God has delivered me from each and every enemy. He's been with me through so much. How could I not? How could I not praise him? I don't care if my wife is offended. I don't care if I jump out of my clothes. I don't, God has been so good to me. And it, it feels, if, if you've never been overwhelmed with the magnitude of who God is, I pray that you are. Because it, I know when... When I've been in that position and I've realized that I'm facing a battle that is beyond my resource, beyond my money, beyond my knowledge, beyond this, that, or whatever, but my God is bigger than that, yes. and I can trust him, yes. and he knows me, and he's good, and he's mighty, yes. and he is strong, and I am his. And that is overwhelming, and how could I not praise him? How could I not give myself over to him? So... In terms of what this means for us on this side of, 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 um, of where we are now, because David, David had written this, obviously, before Christ. He was still looking forward to the Messiah coming. Someone once said that the Old Testament is, um, you know, it, 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 it's the word, re word hidden, but the New Testament is the word revealed. 
In other words, you know, um, a lot of things that were foretold in the Old Testament are finally revealed and opened up for us in the New Testament. So in terms of, of seeing Christ in uh, Psalm 24, verse 8, we see that one, Jesus wants to make our hearts his home. Um, in, in verse 24, 8, it talks about, you know, uh, Jesus or the, the word who is this king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So again, David was probably thinking of it from the, or writing from the perspective of being a, a, a man of war and looking at it as, you know, God is strong in battle and he's mighty in battle. He's the ultimate fighting machine. He's the ultimate warrior. But as the, the ark was t being taken to its final place, the ark also, you know, it represented God's presence. So whenever David went into battle and the ark was there, God was with them. That was God's presence. But as they were taking the ark to its final place, what we see here also is that in terms of the New Testament, in terms of this, the, what it means for us in the Messianic age, is that Christ wants to make our hearts his home. Okay, it's not that, you know, the ark, something external to us, or Christ external to us, is God's home, right? Because we know that God doesn't live in temples made with human hands. No, God wants to make our hearts his home. In Revelations, Jesus says, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. And he's knocking at the door of our hearts. Jesus is knocking at the door of each and every one of us saying, let me, let me in, let me come in. And he does, he, God doesn't just want to be in our hearts to live there to make us good, sweet, kind people. Yes, he wants us to be obedient like we, we learned during our sermon today from Dave. God wants us to obey him and he wants us to uh, submit to him. But more importantly, I think that God wants to fight the battles in our lives, that he wants to be king overall, that he wants us to surrender. The battles we face are, are spiritual battles, but they're manifested in the material world, right? We know this. And Jesus won and fought the ultimate battle that we face in the spiritual world in terms of like fighting against uh, the rulers, principalities, against, you know, it is, it is spiritual warfare. Whether we choose to believe it or not, we are in this battle. We can think, oh, you know, I, I'm not a fighter. No, no, no. I'm... <laughs> Satan is the ultimate bully in that whether or not you believe in him or whether or not you think you're engaged with him, he's engaged with you each and every day. He's the kind of bully who, you know, you come up and, you know, in school, hi, I, you know, don't, don't beat me up, I'll be friends with you, you can have my lunch, and he just punches you in the face and says, yeah, and I'm taking your lunch anyway, whatever. But what we, we know is that Jesus wants to fight that battle for us. And not just a passively fighting, it means he's equipping us encouraging us and empowering us and giving us the right tools we need to fight these battles by saying, I am in you, my spirit is in you, and I want you to fight. And you're not gonna fight with weapons that the world fights with, you're fighting with my word, the most powerful weapon of all. Because when, when Jesus was encountered, when he encountered Satan, 
he gave him the word. And the devil cannot deal with the word because he's a liar. And we know that God, God deals only in truth. So God wants us to, to submit ourselves to him. He wants us to stop trying to fight these battles in our own strength because we can't win. He wants, he wants us to surrender. And I, I, and I think for any of us, every one of us here who is a believer in Jesus Christ, we've all had to get to the point where we surrendered to him, where we surrendered all to him, where we said, all right, God, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I don't have enough money. I don't have this. I'm at the end of my resources. I surrender. And the, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's not like, you know, typically on a battlefield, when your opponent surrenders, you take them captive, you abuse them. No, we surrender to him. He takes us captive. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make call you my, my friend. I mean, that, that's not typical in the warfare, is it? But again, this is Jehovah uh, Gabor Milkamah. He is the Lord strong and mighty. God, you know, he, he wants us to surrender to him so he can make us better so that we can he can equip us to fight on his on his side and if we apply Christ's entrance into our souls you know if if we give ourselves over to him we gain much more than we lose and I think that's that's the hardest thing because you know the devil is so good at lying he's so good at oh my gosh you don't want to get saved those people are so boring come on don't be weak. Don't be a weak woman. You're not weak, you're strong. You could do it on your own. You don't need, you don't need a crutch. You don't need God. You could do it. Come on, man up. You don't need a man. You don't, you know, I mean, that's what the devil does. He lies to us. But God says to us, yeah, you are weak. Without me, you can do nothing. But in me, you are strong. You are powerful. You will be victorious because I am victorious. We can, again, our hearts, when our hearts are Christ's home, we may apply it to Christ's entrance into the souls of men by his word and spirit, that they, they may be his temples. Christ's presence in them is like that of the ark in a temple. It sanctifies them. Just as the ark of the covenant was taken to Jerusalem to remain, Jesus, who was a type of the ark of the covenant, wants to make his home in our hearts if we're willing to surrender all to him. Again, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. That's from Revelation 3.20. It is required that the gates and doors of the heart be opened to him, not only as admission is given to a guest, but as possession is delivered to the rightful owner after the title has been contested. This is the gospel call and demand that we let Jesus Christ, the King of glory, Come into our souls and welcome him with hosannas. Blessed is he that cometh. The gospel message is proclaimed to compel us to hear, believe, and be saved, to surrender all. And it is not easy, and I'm sure. I know when I, when I first got saved and I had my counseling session with my, my, my then pastor, he asked me a simple question, like, why are you here? And it was nothing but the Holy Spirit that said, I'm tired of running. And I was tired. I just, I, I, had, I had no words for it. I had no words for that, that time in my life. 
other than I'm tired of running. And isn't that like Jesus? He will leave the 99, the, you know, he leaves the 99 and he will, he will pursue us. Amen. He is like a pit bull. He will run you down. He will organ, organ, orchestrate situations. Oh, I'm going to call this friend. Why do you, you know, you block my call? Okay. Mom, dad, parents are like, sorry, tough love. Nope. And that, that's God. He will hem us in for one purpose. I want you. You're going to be mine. And I, I'll be like that boyfriend you've always wanted. Yes, I'm going to pursue you to the ends of earth until you say yes. You're going to be mine. And I thank God for that. I thank God that he does pursue us. I thank God that he doesn't give up on us, and he won't. When we, when again, we, we talk about the king of, of glory, he is Jehovah, and he will be Jehovah, our righteousness, an all-sufficient savior to us if we give him entrance and entertain him. You know, again, um, just when you think about the, the messages that we hear from the, word, from the world and what it tells women, you know, again, oh, be a strong woman. You don't need this. You can do it on your own. You know, if you're a single mom, you know, you, you, you could do this, you could do that, you could be this, you could be all that. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like the burden is too much. It's like, it, you know, I don't, maybe I don't want to be all that. Maybe I do want someone to take care of me. Maybe I do want a shoulder to lean on. Maybe I do want a crutch. What's wrong with that? You have a broken leg, you need a crutch. You know, but um, what's wrong with that? And again, the world, it, it, the messages that the world tells women nowadays is you don't need, you don't need, um, do it on your own, be all this. And, and God is, is standing there to say, you know, that's not true. You need me and you need other women. You, you're not, we were not created to be, to live in isolation. We were not created to be lone rangers. Yeah. You know, we always, I, I tend to think that we need women younger than us because we need to reach back and be willing to help younger women, hopefully to maybe avoid some of the, the tragedies that we've, we've had in our lives and to share our experience. And then we need um, women our own age to walk side by side with and rub shoulders with and joke about, oh my gosh, girl, I'm going to do this. What about you? And then, and then you need older women. You need older women who are wise, who have been there. When you feel like you're on the edge of insanity, like this is it. I'm packing his bags. He's going, the kids are going with him too. And they're like, oh please, no, no. We so. You know, again, I think we, we need women, we need to reach back and we need to reach here, we need to reach there to say, again, we need each other. We need each other. Jesus is strong and mighty and he is the Lord of hosts and therefore it is at our peril to deny him entrance. The Bible says that um, it is appointed unto man to die once and after that the judgment. Not purgatory not a second chance. There's this, this life is it. You breathe your last breath without the Lord. That's it. And we have, as Christians, we have to be honest and stand on the word of God because this is God's word. He, we did not set this up. We did not say that. No, hell, hell was intended for the angels. It was not intended for us. God loved us enough 
to send his one and only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the lie is that one, that God doesn't exist, that he's, he's mean, he's angry, he's unforgiving. And it's, or, you know, well, after you die, you get a second chance. There are no second chances. Because you know what? Heaven is a place for people who want to be with him. God doesn't force himself on us. He's a gentleman. He doesn't make us accept him. He doesn't make us open that door. He knocks. He doesn't kick the door down. He just knocks. And it's up to us to open the door and let him in. So again, he is the strong and mighty and the Lord of hosts. And this king of glory is there to save his people and to subdue our enemies. And we have, a, we have one enemy, right? We're not each other's enemies. Or our, our spouses, our bosses, that girl that stole your man is not your enemy. <laughs> our enemy is the devil, because he's the one who orchestrates these things against us. He is, because he's God's enemy. And again, whether or not you, you choose to believe that or you, you, you choose to acknowledge that, he looks at us and he says, wait a minute. You won't let me into heaven, but you're going to accept her? Do you know what she did? Do you know what she thinks? Do you know who she is? And every time Jesus is there to say, Father, she accepts you. She loves you. I died for her. She accepted me. I'm, I'm her. I'm here on her behalf. I will plead her case because she trusted me. And the devil is always there, the accuser, always there to lie, to scheme, to point fingers, to say, do you know what she did? Let me tell you what she did. Or, you know, um, I saw you in traffic. Let me tell you, um, this is the God's on the street. Um, tell the truth and shame the devil, right? One Sunday, I was, I, I had such a wonderful time in the Lord in church, and I'm on my way home. And it's always a traffic situation, isn't it? This woman cut me off or whatever, and I sure did give her the middle finger. I sure did. But I, and, the, and the thing is, it's like I didn't even think about it. I was just like, how do I go from I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, to that? Just that quick. But, you know, I repented, confessed my sin, repent, you know, and move on. But, again, the devil, he won't let me forget it because he's a liar. But the thing is, but that's how he is. We're, we all make mistakes. We all fail. We come short. Even when we're saved, it happens. But he is there to always accuse us and always remind us of our sin. And Christ, his Holy Spirit, is always there to lift us up and encourage us and say, Get up, clean yourself up, move on. Amen. And we thank God for that. We thank God for that. And, and, you know, and lastly, I just, I want to, again, encourage us, all of us, even myself, to say, Jesus is, that he is the king of glory, but he is there fighting for us. And you can't win the battle if he's not your general, if he is not on your heart, in the king of your heart, you can't. You're going to lose, and you're going to continue to lose. You'll continue to be frustrated. And I think one, you know, I think God, well, we're seeing some serious signs of, of people, and sadly even Christians, who are just out of fellowship. 
Maybe at some point you said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. But you keep fighting. You keep pushing him off the throne. Instead of every day we have to surrender to him, surrender to his lordship, surrender to his will, to his way. It can't, it's not a one and done. Because, you know, we as daughters of Eve want control. And we, we try to, you know, we go again and again, get off the throne. And, you know, we're fighting with him. And the Lord is saying, uh, he's a gentleman. But you want it, you got it. I'll be here when you come back. You know, so, you know, again, I just... I just want us to be encouraged to know that God loves us. Yeah. He loves us so much. And he wants, his, he wants his presence in us, but we have to surrender to him and die to ourselves daily. Mm -hmm. Surrender and die. Surrender and yield. It is not easy. It is hard. But that's why we have one another to keep us encouraged, right? Amen. And um, we have fellowships like this. We have our sisters in Christ, even ones that we just met for the first time. You know, and we, we thank God and know that we are not alone. And we thank God that he continues to remind us of his love, of his care, of his support. No matter where we are, we are in him. And if you feel like you're alone, ask for help. Just look around you and know, hey, this, I don't remember her name, or you were at that luncheon, or I met you. Ask for help. It's okay. Even if you see the person, you know, you're out, Marshall, shopping, whatever. Um, another quick story and I'm done. I, I have a, a friend that we work out at the gym together a lot, and I was at Marshall's. And I, it was on a Sunday after service, and the service was wonderful. It was good, and I just was feeling so close to God, and I saw my friend. And she didn't have to say anything. I just knew there was something going on with her. And she, you know, we're in line, and she just shared you know, just the highlights of what was going on. And the Lord impressed upon me to pray for her. And I did, after we, we separated, I, I sent her a text message and she said, thank you, that's exactly what I needed. And we can do that for each other. It doesn't have to be anything super big, or whatever, but sometimes, you know, God will, he will, he is faithful. He will send you who you need and what you need. And in that interaction, in that time, let him minister to you, let him be present for you and give you what you need and encourage you. And do the same for someone else. Sometimes it could just be a, a, a word of encouragement. It could just be just a, I'm praying for you. Like Bonnie did for me last week in the parking lot at Lytle. <laughs> you never know when you'll see, you know, sorry, when you, you'll see encouragement. But um, be open to it and be grateful for it. Just like, I'm grateful for Jay for Miss Becky, for Danette, for all of you, for Lori, for everything you, um, you've brought to me since we've been here, and just your open hearts, and for this ministry of encouragement. So let's pray. Thank you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for what you share. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, God. But most of all, Lord Jesus, we thank you for you, the lover of our souls. You are so much to us, God. There are not enough words, there are not enough titles just to explain, to describe everything that you are to us, Lord Jesus. Our souls say yes. Yes, 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 yes to you, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would bless us, that, that what you share with us today would not leave us, but you would impress upon us the fact that you want to take us captive. 
that you, Lord God, you want to win the battle of our lives and take us captive, and you want to sit on the throne of our hearts, that you want to lead, guide, and mold, and shape us into the women you've created us to be. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you, Father, for, um, for your love, your grace, and your mercy in this time together, God. And we praise you, Father. In all this we say, amen. amen. Thank you.